We were working through a series on worship. Last week, Stacy and I were gone. We appreciate the opportunity to get away and celebrate our 10th anniversary last week. So it was fun. Thank you. We, we still got snow where we were at, so we didn't escape that. But um, it was good to get away and just to have that time kind of together and to, um, just have that special time with one another. Um, this morning, we're shifting a little bit. Um, normally, at the beginning of the year, I start with a focus for the year. Um, but this year, Cindy and I had talked some about the focus of worship, um, the, the, the kind of need for us to talk through worship as a church and kind of get on the same page. And it really kind of went along with what my theme was this year, I, we're going to be talking about the heart. Um, this morning, I'm going to describe the biblical portrait of a heart. In, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about Jesus' heart. We're going to look at the book of Jonah later on in another series because of a prophet's heart who wasn't like Jesus' heart, who was pretty much the opposite of Jesus' heart. Um, and so we're going to be studying the heart this year, the biblical portrait of a heart. And it's interesting, as I begin to study these things and dig in, you think, oh, how much can there be in the Bible about the heart? And then as you begin to dive in, I realize I could probably just preach the whole year on the three pages that I made for my sermon this morning. So we're going to kind of zoom through this this morning. I'm hoping it leaves you with some questions because that's good because that'll make you want to go and maybe research and find out some more about the heart. But there is a lot in the Bible about the heart. And when I say the term heart, what is this? A heart. What is this? It's a heart. We have different meanings for the term heart, right? And so when I'm talking about a heart, I'm not talking about the heart or as they, they however they, they do that. Yeah, Cindy's doing it. However they do that, the heart. I'm not talking about the sign for a heart. I'm not talking about our physical heart, but I'm talking about that inner part of us that we would call the heart. So we have terms, we could say, well, I'm having heart surgery. And you would know what's going to happen, right? There's going to be heart surgery. But if you say, I give you my heart, I'm not physically removing this and giving it to you, right? Unless I'm literally being a heart donor. See, we can even have different meanings in that. So usually context tells us about the heart. So, a couple definitions. The Pictorial Bible Dictionary gives us this. It says, although the word heart occurs more than 900 times in Scripture, it is almost never used in a literal sense. There are a few times when it's talking about the physical heart, but it's most often used to signify the innermost being. Not the physical heart-pumping muscle, but the innermost being of us. A second one comes from the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. It says it's the center, the heart is the center of the physical, mental, and spiritual life of humans. As the center of the physical life, the heart came to stand for the person as a whole. So this is from the Jewish perspective, looking at their culture and their context, trying to give us some, some background and some context for how they viewed the heart. So it kind of became the, the, 
to be this, this person as a whole. Um, it became the focus of all the vital functions of the body, including both intellectual and spiritual life. And it goes on to say that it also grew to be associated with the person's mind and will and is closely connected to feelings and emotions as well. So it involves kind of all the pieces of, our, of who we are. As we talk this morning about a biblical portrait, what is a portrait but a snapshot? It is an image, and in heart, as they look at people's hearts, they use an echocardiogram. It uses sound waves to bounce back and forth and, and see the image of a heart. It allows them to look inside at the blood flow and the valves and to diagnose diagnose abnormalities. So this morning, we're going to use God's word as that echocardiogram, Hebrews 4.12, one of the mentions of the term 900 times in the Bible, for the word of God, the word of God, the Bible, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So this morning we're going to look at a lot of Bible verses. This is why I didn't have Sue put anything in the bulletin for the, what verses we're looking at. Because we're looking at a ton of them. So they'll be up on the screen. I have them in your notes so you can refer back to them later. I'm hoping I got all the references right on there because sometimes there's copy and paste errors where things happen, but hopefully they're all right on there so you can double check them as you're um, looking up on the screen as well. But as we dive into this biblical portrait of the heart, the first one is the components of our heart. The components of our heart, just like the physical heart has specific components within it, our heart has components in it as well. And there's several components the Bible talks about. I'm going to give you several. They'll be on your sheets there as you fill them in. But this is not an exhaustive list. This is to give you kind of an idea of the components of our heart. The first is love. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus is describing all of our bodies. I think kind of working from the center most out. From our heart, from our soul, from our mind, from our strength. We're to love God with all that we are. But we can love with our heart. Belief also is part of our heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It's kind of our, the con happening in a context of our mind, and then with our mouth is the action that speaks it out and proclaims it. But we believe with our heart. We talked about worship for about a month. We were talking about the act of worship and, and Psalms 119.7, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. We're able to praise God out of our heart. 
There's thoughts and decisions. We looked at Hebrews uh, 4.12. We saw that it's on your sheets there. The thoughts and intentions of the heart. Thoughts is one of them. Decisions is another one from 2 Corinthians 9.7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Paul is talking about the tithes there, their gifts that they're giving. He says each one must give as he has decided in his heart. There's decisions that happen in our heart as well. There's joy and there's sorrow. Isaiah 65, 14. Behold, my servant shall sing for gladness of heart. There's gladness, there's joy in our hearts, but you shall cry out for pain of heart and shall wail for breaking of spirit. And that pain Jesus describes as sorrow in John 16, 6. But because I have said these things to you, the things Jesus has said is he just said that I'm going to go be killed. And he said, because I said those things, sorrow has filled your heart. He said, I'm going to be killed and I'm going to have to leave you for a while, but then I will leave the Holy Spirit in my place. Because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. So there's joy and sorrow in our hearts. There's desire. Brother, my heart's desire, Paul says to the Romans. Romans chapter 10. And prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. There's desires that come out of our hearts. There's also will. There's this obedience that can come out of our hearts, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. The heart is that core that things begin to flow out of. You have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, Romans 6, 17. So there's these components of our heart. Well, why does all of this matter? Well, it all matters because of the character of our heart. These are all going to be C's, by the way. The components of our heart, the character of our heart. What is our heart's character? What is the internal process and character traits of our hearts? Well, see, the problem is each of our hearts has been affected by sin, by the sinfulness that Adam and Eve started in the very beginning. And so Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, God's word is given to Jeremiah. Jeremiah writes down God's word. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then God answers his own question. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. What is our heart? Because of sinfulness, because of wickedness, our hearts are deceitful and desperately sick. That's part of the character of our hearts, and we don't like to think that. If somebody's sick, we want them to cure us, right? We don't want to be sick anymore.
problem is our hearts deceive us. They lie to us just like the serpent did in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve. He lied to them and our hearts try to say, well, I'm okay. I'm fine. There aren't any problems. And so our hearts are deceptive and they lie to us. Proverbs says this as well. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. So as we're going about our day-to-day lives, our hearts are being reflected in the actions that we're doing. If I want something... In my heart, my actions are going to reflect that. And so I do what I do because I want in my heart, I want what I want. So if I want a cookie, what are my actions going to be? Well, if there's no cookies at home, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to buy some cookies. If the stores were all out of cookies, what would I do? I'd say, Stacy, I want a cookie. (laughs) If Stacy would make me cookies, my actions are reflecting what I want. I do what I do because I want what I want. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Jesus echoes this in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 15. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Our actions, everything we doing, the words we speak, the things we say, the things we do, all flow out of our heart. And this defiles a person, for out of the heart come... The problems with sinfulness come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false false witness, and slander. These are things that come out of your mouth, come into your actions that flow out of your heart. Jesus said the lies we believe in our hearts, the things that we most covet or desire... That's what produces, can produce evil thoughts, intentions, and ideas in our lives. You see, the actions, our actions and intentions are just an outflowing, an overflowing of what's already in the heart. The problems and the evil that is in the world... Most of it is flowing out of wicked or sinful hearts. But there's good news. The good news is God didn't leave us there. The good news is God didn't leave us sitting in our, I've talked about it, like a pig sitting in his mud. God didn't leave us sitting in the muck and mire of our sin. So there is a choice, the choice of our heart. 
There's a battle for our hearts. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you see all of these references to the heart, how much the Bible is talking about our hearts? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says in that conversation, it's on the, in the Sermon of the Mount, he says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. So what happens in the New Testament church? They begin sharing with one another. They begin recognizing this principle that the, the, the items they have, the things that they own, are not important. And so they begin selling off the, the, their property, selling off things they own. They begin sharing it with the rest of the church. Ananias and Sapphira decide that they are going to be like the rest of the church and sell off a piece of property and give it to the church. But somewhere along the way, their hearts made a decision that said, we're going to sell off this property and we're only going to give part of the money, but we're going to lie about it and say this was all of the money to make us look good. And so it becomes not about honoring Christ or, or helping others or honoring the church, but trying to make me look good. And so it's a heart issue, and they come before the church, they give this money, and Peter asks Ananias, just point blank, is this the entire money you got from the property? And he said, yeah. And... Peter answers Ananias and he says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And the Bible says Ananias fell over dead. Later, Sapphira came in and Peter would ask her point blank and the same thing happened to her. She died. Peter basically says to her, the men who worked carrying your husband out or just entering through the doorway now again and will carry you out as well, and she fell over dead. Why? Because Satan filled their hearts to lie to the Holy Spirit. There's this battle that's going on that Satan is battling for our hearts, and we see this in the sowing of the Word of God. Jesus gives a parable about sowing seeds, and in Matthew 13, 19, he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. The word of God is being sown, and just like in a field, the birds are pecking at the seed and taking them out of the ground... The evil one is there and snatching away and helping cause more lies and deception. And so it's a process. It's part of the battle that's being fought. But we're given an opportunity to make a heart choice. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 13. God says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. But God, the heart is deceptive. You see, we have the choice to choose or reject the truth of God's word. 
We looked at this verse earlier, Romans 10, 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses, confesses and is saved. We have a choice to believe in what God has done. And the choice is, will you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, or will you reject Him? The choice is simple, but significant. It's going to affect the rest of your earthly life and your eternity. The question is this, will you choose to believe that Jesus Christ was God's son sent to live on this earth? That he died upon a cross to pay for the penalty of sin? That he was buried in a borrowed tomb and on the third day he rose again overcoming death through the power of the Holy Spirit? It's the song we sang this morning. It's the creed. I believe in God. And through that process, God cleanses our hearts. Psalm 51.10 David cries out, this is in the midst of his sinfulness with Bathsheba and killing Uriah. David is confronted with this sin and he writes a psalm of his repentance. Psalm 51 is David's psalm that he writes in repentance. Verse 10 says, create in me a clean heart, O God. God is the cleaner of hearts. And renew a right spirit within me. God is the only one who is able to purify and clean our hearts. We wash our cars. We vacuum our floors. We put our clothes in the laundry. If they have spots on them, we spray them with stain remover. We wash our hands. If you're in the medical profession, you wash your hands for longer. We've been taught now we really have to wash our hands. But there is no man-made anything that can wash our spiritual hearts. God is the only one who can do that through Jesus Christ. We sing a song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can purify us? What can cleanse us? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness would be that sinfulness, that wickedness. God is the only one who can cleanse us. And then it's our job, once our hearts are clean, it is to conserve our hearts. 
We choose daily to follow Christ and we reject the wickedness in our hearts and we make a daily battle to fight against that wickedness. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. If God has cleansed your heart, you better stand there and you better guard it. What do we guard? The things that are most precious to us, the things that are most valuable to us. We put them in safes, fireproof safes, lockboxes. We guard our hearts. I have the image of a warrior standing there, all of the armor of God on. We're guarding our hearts. One author, A.W. Pink, says this, For the Christian to keep his heart, to guard his heart, means for him to pay close attention to the direction in which his affections are moving. Your affections. What is your heart being directed towards? To discover whether the things of the world are gaining a firmer and fuller hold over him, or whether they are increasingly losing their charm. For him. Is it the treasures on earth or the treasures in heaven that you're finding value in? Which of those have a hold over you? So we have the components of our heart, the character of our heart, the choice of our heart, and the champion of our heart. There's only one we should allow to rule our hearts. As we're guarding our heart, if our heart has a door, I don't know if it does or not, but if our heart has a door and we're standing there guarding it, there's only one we should allow into the door. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Who gets free access? Who gets the key card to come in whenever they want? Jesus does. God does. And do not lean on your own understanding. See, when we allow Jesus to rule our hearts and lives, we make him the champion of our hearts. God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel about the heart. He said, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. God is working in that process as we allow Jesus into our hearts. We make that choice. To allow him in to rule over our lives and direct our thoughts, our words, and our actions, our heart is being replaced. A heart of stone is being removed into a heart of flesh. And there's a different rule and authority structure set up. Colossians 3.15 and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ can rule our hearts. No longer are we ru ruled by the worldly thoughts. To which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful, Paul writes. 
Secondly, Romans 5, 5, God's love is poured into our hearts. Paul writes, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's a different authority and structure in our hearts. Christ dwells in our heart so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And Paul goes on, but we're not going to read the whole context. Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. As we're believing in what he has done, Christ is dwelling there. We were talking in Sunday school about the Old Testament tabernacle, and that was where God came to dwell. His physical presence came down in a cloud, and it was a burning fire at night. And whenever that cloud went up, they would move. They would pick up all the pieces of the tabernacle, and all of the tribes would gather everything, and they each had jobs they had to do, and we, would, we were moving. We're moving. It's moving time. And then God would stop and they would, all right, let's plant here. They'd get all the stuff out, put the tabernacle back up and get their, their, their whole, all their tents and everything they needed to put around the tabernacle. That was where God dwelled. But now, Christ dwells in our hearts. We are the tabernacle now for Christ's dwelling. Not only does Christ dwell, but the Holy Spirit resides in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 1.22 And who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. As we make that choice to believe in God and allow him in to rule and reign over our hearts, hearts, our lives are affected, our words, thoughts, and actions all then flow out of this revived heart. But what happens? We still are stuck with a deceptive heart at times that says, this is going to feel good, you should do it. Oh, you really want this, and our heart all of a sudden turns and wants that earthly treasure. It gets distracted. I get distracted easily sometimes. But our hearts can easily get distracted with the earthly treasures. So what difference does this make? Well, echocardiograms reveal the inner workings of our physical hearts. God's word reveals the inner workings of our spiritual heart. So we need to be in God's word because our hearts are deceptive. This is the truth that we can turn to. This is the truth that can affect our lives. This truth is what God uses to replace the heart of stone with the heart of flesh. This truth is where we learn about Jesus and and how we can believe in him. What we are believing in 
why we are believing in him. The question comes, what has God's word revealed about my heart? Well, you say, I don't know. Well, look at your lives. Your thoughts, your words, and your actions, because those are all playing out what is in here. What is in your spiritual heart, your desires are flowing out of your heart, out of your mouth at times, Have you, ever, have, have you ever said something like, man, I, I, that was, where did that come from? Or you catch yourself saying something? Man, I just caught myself from saying something really stupid. Where was that thought coming from? There's checks and balances here. Coming out of our heart, into our thoughts, and out into our actions. I do what I do because I want what I want. In a couple weeks, we're going to look at Jesus' heart for a series of several weeks, and we're going to find out what was Jesus' heart. What did Jesus do? What did he want? And how did that flow out into his life? What kind of heart did Jesus have for people? For his disciples, for sinners, for the Heavenly Father. What kind of heart did he have? And then we'll talk more about that. So this morning we can ask ourselves what the psalmist asks in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Why? Because there are times I don't even know my own heart. I don't even know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way, some translations say wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Reveal to me those things that are in there that you find sinful or that you find wicked. Because God is the only one who can revive our dead hearts to life again. God is the only one who can cleanse our hearts. I can't do that on my own. There are no works that will get my heart cleansed. There's nothing that, that will cleanse that sinfulness out of my heart but God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we recognize that our hearts can deceive us. Our hearts are wicked because of the fall. And God, that sinfulness pulls on us and lies to us. God, but we have a choice we can make. The word, your word of the Bible, 
proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, your son being sent here to earth to live here on this earth, to die on a cross, to pay the penalty for sin, to be buried in a borrowed tomb, and to be raised again through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what we believe in. That is the center of our beliefs, the gospel. Father, help us as we allow that gospel to penetrate our lives and our hearts and our thoughts and our actions. So that we would reflect the purity and holiness that you call us to. And it's messy. It's not perfect. There are times we allow things into our hearts that shouldn't be there. And then you come in and you cleanse our hearts again. And then we let things in there that shouldn't be there, God. Work in our lives. God, cleanse us from sinfulness, from wickedness. Give us pure hearts, O oh God. So that we can honor you with our actions, our thoughts, and our hearts. So that the reason we do what we do is because we want a deeper relationship with you. We want to grow closer to you. We want to follow and listen to your calling of how we're to live our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.